You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Bridget Newsol Smith. I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. Today, I am chatting with Emiko Davies, an award-winning Australian-Japanese food writer, photographer, and cookbook author based in Italy. Emiko grew up in a diplomatic family and spent most of her life living in countries other than her own, from China to the United States. After graduating from art school, she ended up in Florence, Italy in 2005 to study art restoration and fell in love with a Tuscan sommelier. They live with their daughters in a charming hilltop village between Florence and Pisa and plan to open their own space for sharing food and natural wine experiences in San Miniato in 2023. Book your travel now. Emiko has also written five cookbooks, most recently Cinnamon and Salt, and she also shares her recipes on her Instagram and in her Substack newsletter. But today we're talking less about Emiko's amazing food, although I always have time to talk about Emiko's amazing food. We are talking about Emiko's experiences parenting her daughter Luna, who is in a bigger body. And as you can imagine, that gets especially complicated for Emiko as a semi-public figure who shares pieces of her life and her kids online. This episode is our November paywall episode. That means to hear the whole conversation or read the whole transcript, you will need to be a paid Burnt Toast subscriber. It's just $5 a month or $50 for the year, and you get the first week free. You'll get to hear all of Emiko's and my best strategies for dealing with fatphobic comments about your kids, plus our two very excellent food recommendations. Emiko's recommendation might be a little more excellent than mine, but they're both delicious. So here's Emiko. I hope you enjoy. You have been on my radar for such a long time as someone who produces this beautiful and delicious food and you live in Italy and live out my dreams in many ways, or at least, you know, it looks that way. I'm allowed to fantasize. But I didn't realize until you started doing your Substack about a year ago that you were also very firmly anti-diet. And I'm always so thrilled to discover especially food people who feel that way because, as I've talked on past podcasts, the food world has a complicated relationship with all of these issues, as I know I don't need to tell you. Well, I actually didn't realize that there was a term for anti-diet until I think I started reading some of your work and I can't remember... Who were the initial people? I'm pretty sure you had a lot to do with it, Virginia. So <laughs> thank you. But once I started reading about that, I realized, oh my God, I've been anti-diet my whole life. Um, because I also, like my daughter Luna, grew up in a bigger body as a child and as an adolescent. And, you know, basically went through puberty and then became like thin, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like almost overnight or, or like over the summer, you know, my body completely changed. And then I was a thin teenager and, you know, have sort of been all kinds of body shapes <laughs> as my, through my 30s and for, now I'm 42, especially having babies and everything mm-hmm. else. And to think I'm just like uh, a normal human woman, you know. Yeah. We all try a lot of bodies, a lot of yeah. shapes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But one thing I have never been into were diets and um I think I was just very lucky that growing up, that was something that my family never hinted at or never suggested that, you know, we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I realize now, looking back, that I went through those periods of my life where I was in a bigger body, you know, completely unscathed, really. I mean, I don't really remember any time ever feeling ashamed 
of myself or hating myself for that. I feel really grateful that restricting myself or restricting food was never was never something I was ever going to do. <laughs> I loved eating and <laughs> loved enjoying food and I loved cooking. So when I realized there was a term for anti-diet, I was like, wow, this is this is me. This is I'm, I'm home. I found my home. <laughs> I love that. What a gift your family gave you too. Do you have a sense of why your parents or the adults in your life were able to provide that safe space? We grew up when like Kate Moss was yeah. like the idolized way yeah. figure. I was so far away from looking like anything like Kate Moss. Yeah. I don't know why I was so lucky. I think that, okay, so my, my mother is Japanese and she's very tiny. She's a really tiny Japanese lady. And my father, though, ha is, is in a bigger body as well. And I don't know if that had something to do with it, but we just... I don't know, body commenting or any of that sort of thing just was never something that we did in my family. And I have a younger brother who was always stick thin, still is stick thin, has never mm -hmm. changed. He's just grew taller. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> my sister as well, though, my younger sister was was just like me. She had a bigger body as a child and as an adolescent. So maybe it was just a combination of the fact that we all had different shaped bodies and that mm -hmm. was just who we were. <laughs> right, right. And they didn't feel like we have to fight this. I feel very lucky. Looking back on this now, I didn't realize, you know, right. how lucky I really, I really was. So you had this sort of realization of when you started sharing pictures, particularly of Luna. I mean, you also have an older daughter that suddenly you were kind of in this conversation in a different way, that you weren't just sharing pictures of your kids. Yeah, very. So my older daughter is nine and she's straight sized. And actually we had a few years of like really difficult eating where she basically was only eating like a handful of things, was so anxious about school that she wouldn't like eat breakfast, wouldn't eat at school. So she would come home at like four in the afternoon and hadn't eaten a thing and she was getting so skinny. So yeah. she, she was a whole different thing. And being my first child, I was always trying to make sure she was really comfortable around food and that, you know, mealtimes were just really the chillest, most peaceful place to be because I didn't want to create any more anxiety than what she was already going through. Mm -hmm. And then Luna came along when we were in the middle of this like really difficult, I would say, eating phase. I'm going to say it's a phase because she is getting out of it now that she's like nearly 10. But mm -hmm. I, the ages when she basically between four and eight mm -hmm. <laughs> were really, really difficult years. And Luna was born when she was five and a half. So like right in the middle of this. Yeah. And Luna was, you know, just like this bubbly, funny, kind of crazy little second daughter. And when she was a toddler, you know, I was posting photos and videos as I had always done on Instagram and on my blog of, you know, sort of food things that we do together, which is basically like what we do, you know, whenever we have any free time. So like almost every day on the weekends or mm -hmm. after school, we're making something or at least I'm cooking something and my kids usually jump in and mm -hmm. want to play with whatever it is that I'm making. And so... I was sharing a lot of these videos. And when Luna was a toddler, people loved seeing the, the Luna content. You know, they were like, this kid, she really loves, like, you could tell she really loves food. She really yeah. loves, you know, like trying anything, eating anything, sticking her hand in, in like a bag of flour or whatever it was, you know, making a mess. 
I'm usually in the kitchen testing recipes and things like that. And I would post all these photos and videos. And sometimes we'd be making pasta or baking something, whatever it was. And so that was all great. People loved seeing like little Luna doing that. And one of the videos that, that people still talk about when they write to me about her is Luna drinking a bowl of minestrone, which was like her favorite thing. And she literally like, she will, you know, pick up the bowl and like drink every last drop out of there and then like put it down and give out this big sigh like, ah, that was so good. <laughs> you know, so that was, I was sharing these things. And when I think when she was little, people just loved it and saw the joy and the innocence. That was sort of the, the main thing people would write to me. This is just pure joy. I mean, that reaction to minestrone is exactly correct. It's delicious. <laughs> and then the first time I got some really startlingly negative, really hateful sort of comments was about a year ago. And I happened to be making a tiramisu when Luna popped in, like she always does, no matter what I'm making in the kitchen, she'll be there like, what are you doing? Can I come mm-hmm. and help you? Mm-hmm. And she'll stick her hands in whatever it is I'm making. Like I, I was gutting a fish and she did the same thing with a fish, right? She's just in there like curious about yeah. whatever it is that sure. I'm doing. And it happened to be a tiramisu, which, you know, is a dessert made with mascarpone, eggs, cream. I had some persimmons that were super, super ripe, and I was using them in the tiramisu. And I think it's kind of, what's the word? I don't know. Maybe predictable that this was going to happen with a photo of Luna with a dessert, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, not minestrone, which was Mm -hmm. full of vegetables, Mm -hmm. but like a dessert. And the only, actually the only times I have ever gotten negative comments, it's when they see Luna with something sweet. So like eating, eating a gelato or, mm-hmm. um, you know, in this case it was a tiramisu and she wasn't actually eating it. She was just helping me, you know, make, I wouldn't even say she was helping me. She was just making a mess. <laughs> she was in the process. Yeah. She was like, what's this? You know, and literally like stuck a Savoyard, like the ladyfinger biscuit in the egg and sugar before I had even put the mascarpone in there. She was just, you know, messing around. So I had these photos and I had the recipe that I was sharing on my newsletter. And yeah, that was the first time that I got some really negative comments. And the comments were basically, what are you doing to this child? This was clearly something that they saw as my fault. What are you doing? What kind of parent, you know, does this to their child? The assumptions are that she's eating too much and that she mm-hmm. has this really like hearty appetite, which also she doesn't. She just, she eats regularly. She's, thank God she's not a, you know, a difficult eater like my older daughter, but she's not a particularly big eater either. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that has anything to do with no. anything yeah. at all. But it's just this assumption that people have when they see <sighs> Luna, especially coupled with an image of like cake or dessert or sweets, right? And then the assumption that I am to blame for how she looks. Yeah. And that's really, I think that's that's the problem. Okay, Freelist, this is where we leave you. To keep listening, click the link in your episode description to become a paid Burnt Toast subscriber. You'll get the rest of my conversation with Emiko, including all of our best strategies for dealing with fat-phobic comments about your kids, plus our two very excellent food recommendations, one of which might just save your family dinner tonight. 